0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Some People Call That Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at a very important topic of humility. And this is something that's commonly used, a pretty common word throughout the world, and I say that because in some other episodes and other topics for the Bible, certain vocabulary like righteousness, for example, is not a term that we use in our daily lives often, or that you at least hear in your daily life often. You would if you're a Christian, but you might not hear it throughout the world and in your workplace and things like that. But this word humility is used pretty often, but we're going to look a little bit today. It's all throughout the Bible, but a little bit at what the Bible has to say about humility and the function of it, the purpose of it, what's the value of it, especially in our relationship to God. This certainly has an aspect in our relationship with others, but we're primarily looking today at humility in your relationship with God and what he calls us to in the example of humility he set for us as well. So the first verse we'll be looking at is in Psalm 25, which is a very, almost a favorite psalm of mine. I like it more and more every time I feel led by the Holy Spirit back to study it and to see the different aspects and lessons that it has in there. But it has humility as well, which really spoke to me in a particular way. and was very interesting and enlightening in what it has to say. And the first point we're looking at is that God is someone, he's a God who teaches sinners. And we'll see how that factors into humility. But it starts in Psalm 25, verse 8, and it says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. And one thing I love about this is that He's a God that is willing to teach even sinners His way because it takes Him teaching us, speaking to us, turning our hearts to Him for us to ever repent and to turn back from the way that's leading away from Him. So it's very important to me, even as a Christian, because there's moments and times where I might feel down in myself, like I've been making bad choices, messing up, foolishly committed a sin, etc. I think, well, God is someone because of his own goodness and uprightness, not because of mine, he's willing to teach me and to call me and to turn me back and to do that work to help me to learn what he's about and the right way to go. So that's just a very encouraging verse for me alone. But it's also very key to Christianity and the whole understanding of it and the relationship between God and man that is the truth here in the Bible is that God is good and upright, so he'll teach sinners and he'll speak to us not looking for us to achieve some kind of level of recognition or status in order for him to give us attention, but he's willing to come to the center and teach them his way. And I'm not super well-versed in every religion that is out there, of course, but in many other religions, it's often this responsibility upon the human being to make the climb, so to speak, to achieve a certain level of wisdom or of accomplishment or of good works often becoming some type of guru over many years and decades to lead to reach some stage of enlightenment some status some recognition to maybe achieve immortality or something like that but it's all upon the human being to climb the steps or i always use the example of other religions are like you need to climb mount olympus to get to where the gods are for them to give you attention and favor and help etc um but there's no levels of achievement in order to begin to receive enlightenment and wisdom god's willing to teach sinner in his ways sinners in his way how much more is he willing to teach the faithful child of his who is following him and surrendering to him every day so there's so much to learn and it's so encouraging for god to do that for us and it starts going into the aspect of humility into verse number 9 where it says the humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way So it builds upon the understanding in verse 8. He said, yes, he'll come to you and teach you. More specifically, the person who is humble. Now I like to think of humility as really lowering yourself or words like submission, surrender to God. It's not really, it's not an ability. It's not a personality characteristic that some people have and some people don't. Because I've heard it used that In that context a bit with other people like humility is something that you just have or don't have or that person's really prone to it or they were born with it but i'm not no it really humility is an attitude of the mind and of the heart and it really comes down to individual choices it's not about an ability to do something it's just about your choice to surrender to submit to give god priority above yourself or above something else in your life so he says here who is he willing to teach Even the sinner, it's the one who's humble, who will submit and surrender to him. God said, I will begin to teach you more than you know and things that you could not find out on your own. So that's very important. And staying on this context of this uh, point that we're looking at, continue down to verse 12. A couple more verses we'll look at. It says, who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he chooses. Again, it's about fear of the Lord, which is humility and surrender to God, submission to him reverence for him. And he says, God will choose a path for you, and then he'll teach you how to follow that way, which is encouraging. It's not just God sorting through the options for you. He makes the best option available and then teaches you and guides you how to walk in it. So more encouraging on the aspect of God's goodness and uprightness, willing to teach you to make the path and to walk with you along it. And then in verse 14, it says, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him again, that fear and humility and surrender to him. And he will show them his covenant. This verse is very fascinating to me because it says the secret of the Lord. And I still wonder and meditate on what that could mean in terms of the secrets of God, his his hidden plans, hidden wisdom that the Bible talks about, that he has now made known to us through his spirit and through the work of Jesus. But that is, when you think of the context and you try to, as much as possible, to be objective and to put out of your mind denominations or spirituality or religions in terms of certain categories and buckets like Christianity and this, that, or the other, just to say, here's God and here's man, and here's the secret that he tells us. It's the secret to the secrets, so to speak. He says, the secret of the Lord, just think about that, things that only God knows and people only know if he chooses to reveal it to them. He says, if you fear me, I'll show you these secrets. I'll reveal the things of myself to you. And I'll show you my covenant, which is the type of relationship God calls us to. That's a whole other study to go into covenants and what that looks like and something I need to study myself. But if God's inviting you to his covenant, he said, I'll show you the inner workings of it. I'll invite you to it. I'll show you how it works, what it entails. It's the most binding, serious form of relationship that there is in a covenant, So to show that God says, I want to be bound to you and you to me in this relationship, I'll show you how to do it and how it works, and I'll also reveal my secrets to you. God saying that to man is incredible. Just for the cost of the fear of the Lord. Surrender, submission, and humility to him. It's just a verse that I continually ponder that I come back to that really inspires some awe and wonder in me about the things of God and an encouragement to put him as first priority and not myself, to lower myself practice humility in order to learn from God in this type of way, and I can never be too low or too far out of reach to learn something from him, because he'll come and teach sinners his way to draw them back to himself. So there's the encouragement in the context of the first lesson there of the God who teaches sinners in this lesson of humility. Now, continuing to a new section, new chapter and verse, we'd we'll be going to the New Testament in the book of Philippians, and we're going to look at Jesus himself being humble in his example of humility, not only that he lived, but the example that he set for us in it. So it's Philippians chapter two, and it's verses five through eight. And there's some other verses around this that add more context, but for us in this lesson, we're looking at Philippians two, five through eight. And it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Some translations say, let this attitude be in you, who being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So there's too many examples you could go into here, but if you're even thinking that Jesus is ruler of heaven, God himself becoming a man, coming in flesh and blood to the same extent that we are, What a huge move of humility and a sacrifice that he did. And then being in the form of a servant, which is the form of man, he humbled himself further, even to the point of dying on the cross. He allowed himself to die, the innocent for the guilty in order to save humanity. So all that he gave up just to be born a human on the earth, and then being found as a human, all the humility that he put himself through, so to speak, or humbling of himself, making himself of no reputation, to be obedient and follow the Father's plan to the point of saving us, to the point of even dying in that form of a servant. It's a lot to wrap our minds around, but it's the ultimate example of humility set for us by our forerunner, Jesus, the one who is the head of redeemed humanity and is our giver of salvation. He's the one that sets the ultimate example of humility, not just for some far off goal for us to look at, but as the example and the blueprint for us to follow in because he empowers us to have this level of humility and this type of obedience to fulfill the will of the Father on earth as a part of the Christian life and really at the center of the Christian life. So go back to this example whenever you want to know what does humility look like. What does the sacrifice and obedience that comes from humility look like? It's right here in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And there's a well-known verse as well. It's Luke 9, 58, and it talks about Jesus during his ministry. And he says, the birds of the air have nests, and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And it doesn't mean that we should—it's not telling us to go sell our houses and things and to live outside. If you feel called to do that, that is perfectly fine. But what it's telling us here is that Jesus didn't even have a roof over his own head. I have kind of pictured it this way. I don't think any of us would have looked at Jesus any differently or would think any less of him if he would have— owned a house in Jerusalem, rented a room that he stayed in from time to time, ministered during the day, and came back to a home of his own. But he, to show his humility and his sacrifice and his obedience in order to save the human race, he went around and God the Father worked through people around him to provide for him, to provide a roof and to provide food and to support his ministry. That Jesus, who's the ruler from heaven— the rightful heir of earth, the ruler of earth, would give all of that up to live as humbly as you can imagine in order to save us. I mean, again, he sets the ultimate example for that humility to say that, man, he didn't even have his own place to lay his head, but was fully dependent on the Father working through others to provide that form every step of the way. Just further exemplifying the humility that we are called to as Christians and that we should be living in. So Jesus himself was humble. That's why we should seek humility. The next point is back in the book of Psalm, and it's the second to last chapter in Psalm, Psalm 149, which I'm turning there right now myself, the second to last chapter right before the book of Proverbs begins, and it's Psalm 149, verse 4, and I love this verse as well. It says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. So what's another important lesson of humility in what God calls us to? God says salvation is for the humble. Those who will submit and surrender to Jesus as the one to save them and as their Lord, he grants them salvation. And I love the beautify the humble with salvation. It's a beautiful thing for a soul to receive salvation and to wear that as the example for your life of others, your life for others. So beautify. Some translations say he crowns the humble with salvation. Which I love that take on it as well because I always just very literally picture in order to be crowned, someone of royalty to be inaugurated, they have to bow or kneel in order for someone to be in the position to place the crown upon their head. And I picture that with Jesus. If you surrender to him, bow, make yourself low, kneel, any of those images you wanna have in your mind of humility. He will literally crown you with salvation, which is a beautiful thing of the soul, the most beautiful thing. So just have that image in your mind. Salvation comes to the humble. Every time you kneel before Jesus, he has something to crown you with. He has a reward for you because that's what he calls you to. So you're acting in obedience when you humble yourself to him. So Psalm 149.4, an encouraging and awesome verse that you can always go to for that. Another famous verse back to the New Testament, Matthew 5, 5, Jesus preaching to the people on a mountainside, often called the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount. But Matthew 5, 5 says this. He said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness being similar to humility, a little bit different. It's often, you know, defined as quiet strength, quiet confidence, but similar to the idea of humility, making yourself low, submitting yourself to God. And he says, listen, you'll inherit the earth more than all the riches in the earth. Those that are meek and humble, walking with God, placing him first above everything else, including yourself. These are the ones to inherit the earth. And when you think that you could have an inheritance, say there's someone rich and powerful, a human on this earth that you could inherit things from. But then God himself says, I will have an inheritance. That means the thing that he has and the things that he owns, he will give to you as a father to a child, as a father to a son or daughter. Because you are meek and humble with me, that's what it requires for inheritance. And it goes right along with that verse on salvation as well, back in Psalm. Continuing to build on this. So so many major things, really the biggest things that God gives to us, comes through humility. And you can't do any step of the Christian journey without it. And it's even an act of humility to receive Jesus in the first place by recognizing you need help, calling upon him to be saved from your sins. That's an act of humility. No salvation comes without this humility in place and humility expressing itself in your life. Because again, it's not an ability, it's a decision that you make. And here's kind of a final word as we summarize this uh, episode and this topic of humility, which again, is only the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to go into. And again, like previous podcasts, I hope this sparks your interest and curiosity to understand what is humility and how important it is for your walk with God and what he calls us to. But the final verse we'll look at is in the book of Proverbs. And it's Proverbs chapter 16, kind of midway through Proverbs. And we're gonna see a final warning here in a way, because we have humility on one end Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have pride, which is talked about a lot in the Bible as well and warned against. So it's Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19, and they say this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Famous verse as well, but the warning here about pride is that it comes before destruction. It will lead to your downfall. If you're not humbling yourself, you will rise up in pride, seeing yourself better than others, placing yourself and your own agenda and your own interests above that of God's for your life. And it says it will ultimately, without a doubt, lead to your fall and to your destruction. So that's a very serious warning indeed. And it's interesting here when you picture being warned about pride that the Bible talks many times about humbling yourself. Some translations, humble thyself. It's an action and a responsibility on us to make that decision to get low, essentially, to bow before Jesus. And it has to be daily. It's not just a one-time thing to receive Jesus. But in your walk with him, every day, often every hour, every decision and circumstance you go through, you have to have that fear of the Lord, that humility with him, that decision to submit and to surrender to his plan above your own or anyone else's, because he calls us to humble yourself. And he will lift you up. He will bring the exaltation. And so I almost started to picture it in this type of way with humbling yourself and being uh, looking out for pride is that it? really there's two types of humility in my mind. There's a voluntary and an involuntary humbling of yourself. It's either you choose to humble yourself under God's instruction, direction, under his hand, and he will exalt you. He will promote you and lift you up and provide for you. Or you can let pride rise up in you And then it's involuntary humility. You're still brought low, but against your own desire. You're still brought low, but against your own choice. And as it says here in Proverbs, it leads to your destruction. You can voluntarily do it to God and lead to your exaltation by his hand, or you can rise up in pride and by your own hand bring about destruction. So a very serious warning, two clear-cut options for us to choose from. God tells us to seek humility, to humble ourselves. He'll teach us. He'll reveal his secrets and covenant to us. We look to Jesus, who is our example of humility. It's a beautiful thing to be crowned and uh, uh, beautified with salvation upon our heads. It's an inheritance for the meek, the whole earth and everything that we need from God. And if we forsake pride and humble ourselves to him, he'll lift us up and exalt us more than we could by our own hand. So, here's just a step into humility. I hope that it encourages you and that it teaches you a little bit more about who God is and just how gracious and patient He is with us as well. So, thank you again for listening into the study on humility, and I look forward to studying again with you very soon.